Welcome to Almost Here, Around the Corner of Future Technology podcast with Richard Jacobs. Future technologies poised to transform our lives for better or worse are the focus of this podcast. Almost Here means these technologies are now here and starting to be used. We're just around the corner from Bitcoin to artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more. Hello, this is Richard Jacobs with the Future Tech and Future Tech Health Podcast. I have uh, Dr. uh, Tro Kalajian. He's a U.S. board-certified internal medicine physician and a medical weight loss expert practicing out of New York State. So, Tro, how are you doing today? Yeah, very happy to be here. Thank you for having me. Uh, It's kind of my pleasure to come talk with you. Oh, great. Well, yeah, I'm I'm glad to have you on because I I see that, uh, you know, you had personal challenges with, you know, weight loss. You did it. And... um, there's I don't know, millions and millions and millions of people out there that need help with weight loss. So it's a topic that's on everybody's minds pretty much. So I'm glad to talk to you. Yeah, my 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 phones are off the hook. I can't even explain to you. You know, it's uh you know, we were just talking before we started the podcast about me setting up my physical location, even though I I do, you know, a lot of telemedicine for weight loss, but I'm setting up a physical physical location. But I don't even have a physical location up and I'm booked out. For like months now, uh, yes. I want to say I'm out like a month or maybe two months, pretty much now. Uh, yes. So it's a it's a busy time for me. I'm, I love what I do. I absolutely love what I do. So uh, very happy to be here as well. Um, yeah, what I wanted to ask you was not about um, the typical weight loss program or even your typical program. What I wanted to ask you about is the the hard cases. What um what percentage of the people that you deal with are, are, it's real tough for them to lose weight. You know, maybe they've even been doing a lot of the right things. That, that's what I wanted to really get to the heart to. Cause you know, a lot of these people in weight loss, they'll say do X, Y, and Z and that's fine for a lot of people. But um, again, that's what I wanted to focus on. If that's all right with you, what, what do you see as um, are the typical elements in weight loss? And then when you get to the difficult cases, you know, let's talk about that a bit. Yeah. Yeah. I think the things that let me know early on that, weight loss is going to be difficult for a patient is, uh, I mean, there's metabolic issues that I think make it difficult. And then there's, you know, emotional and psychological issues that can make it difficult. There's issues related to habit that can make things difficult. So, you know, it's not a one size fits all. Um, the the number one thing I, I think that I, and, and, you know, interestingly, the number one consult I'm getting now is, I've been doing keto for a year and I, I, I stopped losing weight or I was, yeah. Or another consult I'm getting is, um, you know, I had a gastric bypass two or three years ago and now I'm gaining weight. What should I do? So, and I think these are posed the biggest challenges to people that have, you know, gone through a life-changing event, whether it's diet or lifestyle or surgery, and they're still not getting the results that they want. Um, you know, I have a consult that I just did, somebody who had uh, a gastric sleeve and she lost uh, 80 pounds and she has been plateauing for a year and counting her calories dil- diligently. And basically she's coming to me, you know, essentially crying saying, uh, you know, I, I can't lose any more weight. I don't know what's going on. And I want to, you know, I want to lose more weight. I still have weight to lose. I still have a hundred pounds to go. Um, what can I do? So, so yeah, these are, these are challenging cases. Um, and I'll be happy to talk about them. Um, okay. you know, so, uh, you know, 
it's it's a it's a wide topic. What do you want to focus on? The the metabolic issues, the psychological issues, the habit, the you know, the mental issues. What do you want to focus on? Because I can talk I can yeah, give you an hour on each one of these things. Yeah, let's let's go over the basic elements of your program, what you tell most folks, and then I'd like to get into some of these specifics you talked about. People that do keto but plateau. And then people with gastric bypass and then they start gaining weight. So, you know, let's start with the basics. So someone comes to you, what, who's your typical person, like age, how overweight are they, how long have they been overweight, you know, what do you see? Yeah, so uh, my program for weight loss is four months, okay? It's pretty straightforward. I, it's all on my website. It, it, I describe it in detail. Uh, we start with lab work right away before your first visit. The first visit is 90 minutes, and I follow patients weekly for at least four to six weeks, sometimes eight weeks, okay? And then uh, we get repeat lab work at two months, and uh, typically we get repeat lab work again at four months. And we meet monthly from, you know, uh, month two to month four. So it's about anywhere from, you know, about you know, 12 to 16 total visits in the matter of four months. Um, okay. the latter months are focused on the first couple months are focused on implementing a dietary change and focusing on satiety, focusing on appetite. And then the last two months are focused on, you know, timing of, of eating and, uh, kind of exercises that, that you can begin in the home kind of at the tail end after initial weight loss, uh, occurs. So my, my, my program is four months. I monitor. Uh, weight, body fat, blood pressure, uh, uh, body mass, um, fat mass, uh, water mass, all completely remotely, heart rate, blood pressure, and glucose completely remotely. So my patients get a smart scale, a smart blood pressure cuff, and a smart glucometer. And they, in the comfort of their own home, take their own measurements, they step on a scale, and all of this information comes directly to me. And I help guide them kind of through the uh, four months watching very closely to all of their uh, body metrics. So that's, that's something wow. very, very unique that I, that I do. Um, I think the only other group that's doing that is Verda. Um, not a lot of other uh, weight loss clinics are doing this. Uh, so this is something unique that I offer. Um, I use a telemedicine app. So this is all completely done through telemedicine. Patients uh, conference with me. We uh, it's all encrypted, uh, uh, HIPAA compliant telemedicine, and we, uh, you know, go over their lab work, uh, video conference. They have access to me essentially, you know, anytime they need uh, in these first four months. So I'm here to make their uh, lives pretty easy. Um, right. So that's that's basically the program. The typical patient I get is anyone 30 to to 70 years old. I mean, I I've I can start as young as 14. I'm a board certified internist. Um, and I can, you know, there's no uh, limit as to how old a patient can be. But most of my patients are like 30 to 65. And they have either, you know, along with obesity, they have diabetes, high blood pressure, atrial fibrillation, um, sleep apnea, uh, polycystic uh, PCOS, polycystic ovary syndrome. Um, right. They have uh, cholesterol issues. So it's typically people who have obesity plus a medical issue, fatty liver. So, uh, and I think th I love getting these patients that have other issues besides just weight loss, besides just obesity, 
because they see these things go away. So uh, they see right. their fatty liver resolve. They see their diabetes resolve. Uh, they see their insulin levels, uh, uh, their, their insulin costs go way, way down, whether they're type 2 by diabetic or type 1 diabetic. They come off sleep apnea. So I, I love getting patients who have, or the, you know, quote unquote, challenging patients who have other metabolic issues besides just weight loss. So that's the typical patient I get. Uh, my average okay. weight loss in the program uh, for this past year was uh, a little above 35 pounds. Uh, my, my, the least weight loss was four pounds and the most weight loss was 120 pounds. Uh, so I think I've done pretty, pretty well in this past year. Um, so what do, I, um, what do patients tell you when they come to you? You know, why do they say they've come to you at the, at the end of their rope or what's, what's on their mind? What's bothering them? Yeah. A lot of patients come because they don't want to do bypass. So, um, I get a lot of consults for people saying, you know, I've, I've considered bypass, but I want to do everything else beforehand. Some people come, uh, because they, they, uh, have, are, you know, kind of heard about what I do and, and they're looking to get off of medications safely. So they know that, you know, they can come off of diabetes medications or reduce their insulin, uh, with my program. Um, so, so it's usually people looking to, to lose weight and get healthy. I get a lot of kind of middle-aged, uh, you know, men and women, both moms and dads who have kids or, or, and just want to be healthy for their kids. I, I can't tell you how many of these consults I get. Um, and I have people who are retired, who, you know, want to get healthy because they want to, you know, enjoy their grandkids and live a happy, healthy life. So I, I kind of see the whole spectrum. So what is, uh, you know, I know it's on the website, but just as a quick recap, what, what's your program look like, you know, week one, two, three, four, what do you uh, have people do? Yeah. So, so look, the first visit, I spend a lot of time figuring out what the cause of the weight gain is. And this is, this is what helps drive the program. Okay. If, if, the, you know, we have to determine what make, what works in a patient. So for example, you know, I had a patient the other day who I saw who said that, you know, he could eat endlessly, right. And, and not get full. He can have, you know, six, seven slices of pizza. So, you know, there's no sense in me recommending a low fat diet to that person filled with vegetables and low in, in, in oils to this type of patient, because the way a low fat diet works is the roughage, the vegetables, the, the, the fiber, it takes up space in the stomach, takes up volume in the stomach, and those stretch receptors are supposed to make you full. But if I hear a patient tell me that you know, they can eat seven or eight slices of pizza and, not, and still be hungry and not be full, there's no sense in me recommending a low fat diet to them. It's just not going to work. Okay. Alternatively, if a patient says to me, you know what, doc, you know, I don't really have a problem overeating. I'm not overeating. You know, I don't, I can't have more than two or three slices of pizza at one time, but besides the two or three slices of pizza at night, I, you know, tend to have ice cream, you know, during the day, I tend to have a croissant and, you know, this type of patient may benefit from a low fat diet, you know, whereas the patient before I may recommend a low carbohydrate diet, this type of patient may benefit from a low fat diet. So I have to figure out what's causing their obesity. I have a patient who, you know, has serious kind of childhood issues that have led them to overeat their whole life uh, and significant mm. depression. I have people who have uncontrolled appetites, um, you know, related to processed foods. So really the first visit is figuring out why 
are you overweight? And I can tell you, nobody, not many people know why. They think it's because they eat too much and they move too little, and that's not the reason. Um, so, so, so the first visit is why are you overweight, and and you know what are the issues involved? Are you eating out of habit? You know, maybe you're eating all day long, and then you're getting home and having dinner with the family when you're not hungry. Okay, so um, are you? Is there you know kind of tradition involved where? You know, there's uh, another person in the home cooking and, and you're kind of beholden to, to their, their traditional foods that they're cooking for you. So it's, it's figuring out what's going on. Once we figure out what's going on, we implement a plan and we follow up in the first four to six weeks, making sure that that plan is working. And if there's any, you know, the biggest time when people fail a lifestyle plan is the first three to six weeks. So if I can get somebody through those six weeks and make this plan a lifelong thing for them, um, this is this is crucial. And the other thing I have patients do is I have them join my Facebook group where there's people sharing recipes and uh, uh, you know interacting. Creating a sense of community is really important. So one, I'm offering social support, and two, I'm offering a sense of community to support them through this change. So these three things I think are really important. Okay. Close follow-up. Uh, social support and and a sense of community. Uh, these are very key for weight loss maintenance. So that that's the first two months. Two months, you know, we kind of wrap up with some uh, lab work and see what's going on in the past two months um, and make any changes if needed. Um, and then, you sure. know, at, at that point, usually at two months, we start focusing on on fasting or time restricted feeding. Um, it, could, it could work with any diet. And then if that goes well at, at month three or month four, we start very light kind of home exercises um, for people who don't, haven't exercised after they've lost a little bit of weight, after their joints feel better. And then uh, kind of month four and beyond, I give them tips to kind of deal with special situations and, you know, how to deal with weddings, how to deal with traveling, how to deal with, you know, business trips and um, kind of the thing, tips for long-term success. So it's, it's, it's really great. I mean, I'm very, this is not some proprietary thing. I've always been very open about what, how my plan works. It's all spelled out on my website. Um, and, and I absolutely love it. Patients love it. I've had really great success with it. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I can't even catch up. You know, I'm, I'm out like two months now with, with visits. No, oh, that's great. That's great. Um, so what have you noticed, like with all the people you work with, work on and work with, um, what are some things you've noticed because you get to see a lot of data and a lot of people, any common themes that surprise you that you didn't know about until you started doing this? Yeah. I, I've, you know, one of the things I just commented on this on Twitter, um, you know, I find that if somebody's inflammatory markers are high and they have inflammation kind of, uh, related to, you know, really, really overfilled uh, adipocytes, really overfilled fat cells, and their fat cells are inflamed, and and they have kind of pre-diabetes. When I see that inflammation, I'm finding that weight loss takes longer. Weight loss takes longer, and uh, fasting seems to help, or not fasting per se, but time-restricted feeding seems to help those patients more. So that's something I didn't quite know going into it, and and um, you know, something I've learned. The other thing I've learned kind of recently is, uh, you know, everybody's appetite changes on, on various diets. So, you know, 
particularly in a ketogenic diet, which is the diet I use about 60% on 60% of patients, I use very low carbohydrate ketogenic diets. You know, there I have people respond and I f- tend to see that men respond with decreased appetite right away. But I find that women and particularly older women take longer for their appetites to suppress. And I find that um, my older patients, both men and women actually, that it takes, you know, somewhere between three to six months to really get their appetite down. Whereas younger patients who are starting a very low carbohydrate diet, they'll see their appetites go way down right away, you know, almost within weeks, Hmm. you know, maybe days to weeks. I guess guess I'm more like an old woman because I I was ravenous for like the first like month or two. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what? Um, so how old are you? I'm 43. Yeah. So, you know, I'm finding that, you know, kind of the 45 to 65 time frame, uh, you know, age group, it, they, they take longer to get less hungry. It's, it's more like months than it is weeks. But I find that my 30 to 45 year olds are getting less hungry right away you know, almost within like days to, to, to less than much less than, you know, two months. So that, that's something, that's something I've, I've noticed. So those are the two key things I've, I think I've learned is that, you know, I, I have a, a patient, you know, in her, in her sixties, almost 70 and she, she's lost a lot of weight now, but it took her seven months to, to really get the ball rolling. And she, she, you know, she did a, excellent. She was very strict on her diet. This is a woman who, uh, you know, had a lot of food addiction issues, a lot of binge eating issues, got through all of that with a very low carbohydrate ketogenic diet. She had prediabetes that resolved with a very low carbohydrate ketogenic diet, but she didn't lose much weight. She lost a couple of pounds over six months, you know, and I kept pressing her, telling her, look, just keep, keep calm and keto on that stick to the plan. And right around, I think it was like seven or eight months, you know, we, we had a follow-up and uh, she said, doc, you know what? She goes, I know you were telling me to eat till I'm full and, 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 you know, and, and eat, you know, uh, for my satiety, but really, you know, I'm finding I'm less hungry. Do I still have to keep eating? I'm like, no, no, if you're not hungry, don't eat. And I was like, how long has this been going on? She's like, well, I've noticed over the past couple of days and weeks that I'm just not getting hungry anymore. This is now seven months out or eight months out. And I was like, you know what? Go ahead. You're not hungry. Don't eat. She went uh, one meal a day and she dropped like 20 pounds in one month. Um, and then she continued to lose weight after that. And this was seven months after starting a ketogenic diet. So, and wow. it, it, it lined up, it lined up pretty well with her inflammatory markers too. So her inflammatory markers were very high, very high. And then right around, you know, for the four or five month time frame, they dropped. And then right around the six month time frame is when her appetite really went down. So, I think, you know, I, I'm paying attention to the inflammatory markers a little bit more, and I'm finding that if they're high, the weight loss may be a little bit longer, and if they're low, that weight loss, weight loss may be a little bit shorter. What are the inflammatory markers? What are they called when you look at blood results? Yeah, high-sensitivity CRP, uh, ferritin, uh, you know, you, you know, regular things on a CBC and a, and a basic metabolic panel, basic blood work, but the big ones are the, the CRP and the ferritin. Uh, e, the ESR, which is the sedimentation rate, uh, these are the things I kind of pay attention to with regards to inflammatory markers. Okay, yeah, I didn't know because I don't really hear anyone uh, talking about it very much, so I wanted to ask. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, these are, uh, you know, these are things. Look, I, this is just pattern recognition. I have no uh, empiric data to support this. You know, when I look through the literature for 
evidence to corroborate this. Uh, I don't really see uh, uh, much data out there, but this is what I've been seeing in just clinically. Um, so hopefully, um, you know, uh, some other people come out and, and talk about their data and maybe we can uh, publish something. But but so far, I haven't seen much discussed about these issues. What about, um, you know, if someone's been obese for, you know, a couple of years versus 30 years, does it take them longer to lose weight or you don't see much of a difference there? Yeah, I, th I think it's more to do with age. Uh, and and the other the other thing that I've noticed that makes weight loss harder is the amount of seesawing and yo-yoing before they come to me. So if somebody has gained and lost massive weight in the in the past, it, it typically makes weight loss harder. Um, you know, actually, I, I people the lifelong obese, I, I have great results with them. You know, it's the seesaws and the yo-yoers that that are a little bit harder to to work with in terms of you know getting massive weight loss. Um, all right. What's uh, you said some people will plateau. So what's that about? I mean, what do you think it's about when people plateau? Is it just they've gone off the diet and they're not eating right, or is there some other reason that uh, people tend to plateau? No, I, I, I look ultimately right. You know, I, I've seen so many reasons for plateaus. Um, the most common causes of plateaus are are kind of eating. Uh, very calorie dense foods, you know, that aren't filling you up, right? So I, I have patients, I mean, one of the most common consults I'm getting now is, you know, I've been on a ketogenic diet and I've, you know, for a year and I've plateaued. And I tend to find that people are overeating nuts, overeating cheese. Um, you know, I, I don't know. Do you like macadamia nuts? Do you like macadamia yeah, nuts personally? Yeah. yeah how good. many macadamia? Yeah. If I put a bowl of macadamia nuts, you know, how many can you eat? Do you think? Well, I get bored of them, but uh, I can see if you yeah. ate like you know, uh, fifty of them or something. That I mean, I guess you could eat them pretty fast if you wanted to. Yeah. So, so you know, this is a, a perfectly fine keto food, right? Uh, macadamia nuts. I recommend them to a lot of my patients, but I've never met somebody that can only eat three macadamia nuts. You know, usually, mm. you know, once people start with those salty macadamia nuts, they they don't stop. Um, and so, so I have people reevaluate, well, look, you know, what is the purpose of a ketogenic diet? It's to reduce your appetite. It's to fix your hormones, right? So, well, you have to reassess what's going on with your diet. You know, is your appetite appropriately suppressed, you know, or are you still hungry or is there something else driving your appetite? You know, are you eating out of habit? Are you eating because, uh, you know, for a number of reasons, one of the most common things I'm told for patients on a low-carb diet or a, or a very low-carb ketogenic diet is that eating makes them hungry. So they're not hungry all day. They can fast all day. But when they eat, you know, they have one steak and they're still hungry. And then they eat another steak and they're still hungry. And they eat the third steak and they're, and they're still hungry after that. So, so how do patients handle that? Um, and, and, you know, how do they, and then when they're, when they're after done with their third steak, they feel bloated and, you know, they don't eat for another 24 hours. So, mm. so, and they're not, and they're just not hungry. Right. So what I tell patients is, you know, and what I've noticed kind of almost a hundred percent uniformly, uh, if you're on a low carb modality, any low carb modality, whether it's, you know, uh, paleo, low carb, low carb, or very, uh, very low carb ketogenic diet, um, Eating, I find, makes you hungry. 
And so I ask patients to kind of reassess their hunger after they eat, you know, a reasonable amount of food that they think should make them full, especially if they're experiencing a plateau. If you're experiencing a plateau, when you're eating, reassess, you know, how much you ate, think about how much you ate, have a drink of water before you eat that second steak and wait just 10 or 15 minutes. If you're still hungry, eat the second steak. But I'll tell you, 90% of the time, patients tell me, you know what, after I waited 10 minutes and drank some water, I wasn't hungry. And, and I mean, how, how true is that? Have you done a, have you done a low carb diet or have you done a, a ketogenic diet yourself? Yeah, no, definitely. I've, I'm, I'm one of those people actually. I did it for a while and uh, lost a bunch of weight and plateaued. And now I'm in the, the you know, I guess that's secretly why I'm asking. <laughs> so, now but the point <laughs> well, so, where, uh, you know, I'm trying to find out how to, how to keep it going. Yeah. So, so, so this is exactly what, what I would say to you is, is um, when you're, how long can you go without eating? I've been trying to increase it. I'm I'm up to about uh, 16 hours in the overnight, and that's not too yeah. bad. So you could do 16 hours, right? And you feel okay during those 16 hours? Yeah, I feel totally. Yeah, yeah I've been taking uh, exogenous ketones, like when I wake up, to you know that makes it a lot easier to get to the 16. But um, yeah, I could do like I don't know 13, 14, no problem. But I've been pushing it. I'm trying to get more and more, you know. Okay, so you can go, you know, 13 to 16 hours, kind of without issue, right? So right. So um, so this is what I find with most of my patients is that, you know, when they eat, they're more hungry. Okay. And, mm-hmm. uh, and they get hungry, but then they can easily go 16, 18, sometimes 20 hours without eating. So why, what is their hunger that they're experiencing? Is it actually a craving for food? You know, do they not have extra fat that their body can use? Right. So what is actually driving their hunger during that times when they're hungry? And I find most people tell me, I want to say 100% tell me when they eat, they get more hungry. So they're not hungry up until the point where they start eating. And when they start eating, they, they eat, right? And, uh, and they tend to eat a lot. So what I have them do is just reassess these patients who have plateaued and who have been able to you know, uh, do intermittent fasting, and they're not experiencing hunger during those 12 or 16 hours. What I have them do is when they eat, just reassess, you know, after you've eaten a reasonable portion, you know, to make, you know, uh, uh, that, that typically would make you full, just reassess your hunger, drink water, you know, wait 10 minutes and see if you're still hungry. 90% of the time patients aren't hungry. And they, and they just, they're, they're right back to doing their intermittent fasting, and they're able to last another 18 hours without any issue. And the other, the other thing that I tell people to, you know, who've, who've stalled out on keto is just, you know, look, re-examine the dairy and the nuts and the very high fatty foods. Uh, and you could always leverage a little bit more protein. And, and that seems to help most people if, if they're not diabetic. I gotcha. And then um, what other scenarios that make it a, a hard case where it's uh, just really difficult to get someone to lose the way they want? Yeah, I think the the really hard cases I'm finding are people who had a, a Roux Y gastric bypass or a gastric sleeve, and they lost a ton of weight over the course of a year or two years, and then they were advised to go really low calorie. Okay, so then after having this weight loss surgery, after losing a ton of weight, their doctor said you you really have to you know eat less if you want to lose more weight. So they come to me saying, you know, I'm not losing any weight. I'm, they come to me saying, I'm cold, I'm weak, I'm tired, I'm constipated, and you know, I haven't lost uh, any weight, and uh, I'm only eating a thousand calories. So basically, to me, this is somebody whose metabolism is completely shut down. 
because mm-hmm. uh, they've been undernourished, right? And so I yep. know, and, and when I see them and uniformly all their labs, their inflammatory markers are elevated, right? And um, I know that it's going to be a long time to fix their metabolism, to, to get their metabolism revved up again, and to get their hunger issues fixed, and to get them losing weight. The, you know, these patients take months to kind of, you know, I want to say at least three to six months to get them on the right track. You know, and it's just, it's, so just, a, if, timing. it's just a timing. Well, even, even if... Uh... Yeah, even if someone hasn't done gastric bypass, but they go like low calorie for a while, uh, do they still have the same problems? Yeah, I mean, I think I think it becomes more compounded when you had the surgery, right? So for mm. for two years, you're getting less nutrition, and then on top of that, you're going even you know further by you're going really low calorie, kind of after the dust has settled. So I think that that look obviously if you're doing a Biggest Loser type of uh, diet, we know that it, it ruins your metabolism. Kevin Hall showed this uh, at the NIH. Um, really? If you, yeah, yeah. He, so he looked at the Biggest Loser participants, and he found that even you know all the ones who regained the weight, even six years later, their metabolism never recovered. So they had perma- oh basically God. permanently lowered their metabolism. You know, Julian Michaels literally ruined their metabolism, uh, and they and they really? didn't recover even six years later, despite gaining all the weight back. So, so we know that uh, prolonged kind of excessive exercise and excessive dieting can have long-term effects on metabolism. So, um, hmm. you know, absolutely somebody who comes to me on a very low calorie diet, uh, you know, uh, uh, there are these issues. The, the problem is, is, you know, most people don't have like a million dollar prize waiting for them when they're going low calorie, right? So, right. so most people who go low calorie immediately fail because it's just the body can't handle it, right? So, um, so funny enough, you know, you don't get a lot of people who have ruined their metabolism with this diet, except you know the kind of the yo-yoers, you know that that's the the group that may have some kind of metabolism issues, and and those are the people I find are more difficult actually. So if they were if you were on a, a low calorie diet and you failed you know, after like a couple of weeks or a month or so, I doubt you've had any lasting impact. And most of the time when I see these patients, they lose weight just fine. It's the yo-yo dieters who've tried again and again, who've lost the weight over a year and gained it back. Those are the patients that take a little bit longer to kind of fix the met- me- metabolism, fix the metabolic issues. Yeah, it makes sense. Hm. Yeah, I mean, but th- but this Crazy. is the, f- the fun part is when you actually fix them, you know, and they're like, wow, you know, I feel better. I'm losing weight. You know, but I give them guidance. You know, I give these patients guidance. I tell them, look, you know, you see all those testimonials from my patients losing 100 pounds in a year. That's not going to be you. You're going to lose two pounds a month, you know, for for the next three years if you do what I say, you know, and that's perfect for you. You know, two to three pounds a month is perfect for you. So if, if, you know, when I get these patients and I see these lab work and I hear their story, you know, of yo-yoing and their inflammation's high and they've gone up and down before and their metabolism's slow. And, you know, immediately I tell them, this is going to be a long-term thing for you. This is not a short fix. You are going to lose two to three pounds a month and you need to, you know, just keep calm and, 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 you know, stick to the plan. And I promise you. And, and as long as they, as long as they are able to make it a lifestyle, they generally succeed over the long term. You know, the body will come back and the, and the metabolism will come back. So, um, you know, I, 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 I advise them so they don't get, you know, 
you know, some people, when they don't see those massive results in the first four months, they just, you know, it's discouraging, you know, it's really discouraging. So you ha I guide them appropriately. Um, and what kind of weight yeah. loss uh, do you consider healthy? What pace and how long, uh, how long does it take? You know, I, I like one pound a week is what I tell people. I don't like anything more than one pound a week. I mean, in the beginning, first couple months, I just kind of, it doesn't matter to me as long as people are eating uh, and they're not overly restricting themselves. They're eating until they're full. I don't really care if they lose more in the beginning. But, you know, after the dust settles in the first two months, you know, one pound a week is perfect uh, in terms of weight loss. In fact, I discourage people from losing more than that. I, I, you know, I, an ideal patient will lose about five pounds a month, in my opinion, but it, it really matters, you know, like if it's that, you know, patient that, you know, has metabolic issues for years and years of yo-yo dieting and gastric bypass and all this, you know, if they lose two pounds a month, that's ideal for them, two or three pounds a month, you know, for the person who's young and, you know, who's never dieted before and has binge eating and, 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 you know, has been eating just without thinking for, for their whole life. And, you know, if they lose 20, 30 pounds in the first two months, that that's perfectly fine too. So I, I don't want to say there's like a, you know, if you had to average it out, I like one pound a week, you know, but really yeah. I think it's individual. Well, if you look at the average, I mean, just to set an expectation, if you need to lose uh, 50 pounds, that means it really will take you a year in order to do that. Yeah. I think that's about, I think that's about right. I guess people have to be okay with that. They have to understand that, you know, it's not going to happen quick and it could take easily a year, maybe longer or months. Yeah. Look, it, for most people, it took a lifetime to get them to where they were. Right. So, mm -hmm. so everybody wants immediate results. And it's just, if you want to ruin your metabolism, go ahead and lose weight really quickly. You know, we've proven that it, you know, creates permanent problems. Um, I do not overly restrict. I think it's a terrible, terrible idea to overly restrict your yourself. Um, it, you know, but on the other hand, like the patient I brought up, the the 65 year old, 70 year old, you know, when your appetite is sufficiently suppressed, don't eat if you're not hungry. So it kind of uh, it's 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 difficult. A lot of times, patients get confused when they first see me. I tell them eat until you're full, right? And and I do that yeah. for a month or two. But then as a month or two goes by, the, the message changes and the message becomes, okay, you know, why are you still hungry? You know, let's figure out what's driving your appetite. What's triggering you to eat? Um, you know, is it habit? Is it the Diet Coke? Is it the, you know, the, the keto treats? You know, what's driving your appetite? So what's, um, I know we probably should have asked at the beginning, but, you know, now that you've uh, helped so many people, do you reflect back on, you know, your weight loss and what you had to go through and do you see it differently now? Yeah, I mean, look, I don't, I don't think I could help people if I didn't go through what I go through, uh, what, what, what I went through. You know, I, I don't know if your listeners know my story, but you know, it's, it's, it's out there. I was 350 pounds. Um, you know, my wife challenged me, basically said, "Look, you know, you're a smart doctor. Why can't you, you know, figure out why you're overweight?" And I had pretty much a lifelong history of obesity. And so when she challenged me when she was pregnant with our, and it would totally, you know safe way. My life, my wife is just amazing. Um, you know, she kind of nudged me in the right direction. Uh, she, she challenged me to kind of figure this out. And, um, you know, when I went to the medical literature, I mean, it's all there. When you look at the trials for weight loss, low carb does better. When you look at the data for ketogenic diets, uh, for weight loss and glycemia, it's there. When you look at what drives food addiction, binge eating, 
uh, uh, desire for hyperpalatable foods, desire for processed foods, it's all there. I mean, all of this stuff is there. If you go through it and read it like I did, thousands of papers, you know, hundreds of books that I've read at this point, um, it's very easy to pull it all together and figure out what's causing people to be fat. And it's the food. Uh, it's the food. It's, it's making us fat and sick. Um, and so on my website, I have a, you know, five-step plan. It's completely free. You can go on to it and, and, and take a look. It's basically, it's drtro.com, D-O-C-T-O-R, tro, which is T-R-O.com slash free. And it's like five steps you can do to just start losing weight. And it's super, super easy. It's five steps. Um, and, um, and after I kind of, uh, figured this out and, and it's, it's all right there, you know, it's, it's, it's not hard to get to this information in the medical literature. If you read through everything and look at the forest for the trees. And so I applied it to myself. I went low carb and then I went very low carb and for some time I went zero carb and, um, you know, the weight just kept coming off and, you know, my performance in the gym kept getting better and better. So I had to shatter a lot of the, you know, um, you know, the, the, the conventional medical wisdom I really had to disregard and I had to go back to the medical data, go back to the literature and figure it out for myself. The conventional medical, you know, advice, which is eat more, move less is not going to help anybody. The conventional medical wisdom to count calories will help very, very few people. It may help some, but it will help very few people. Weight Watchers, you know, all these things have never worked. They don't work for many people. They, they fail most people. And I just, I'm, I'm tired of, you know, I'm, I was tired of failing and I can't let other people fail anymore. And, and it really drives me to help people at this point. I, I, when my patients do well, I'm happy. And when they fail, I fail and I take it personally. So I don't let my patients fail. Oh, that's great. That's really great. Any, um, any last words of wisdom, you know, things that, again, that you've learned over time, uh, you know, about either human psychology or, you know, the advice we get, anything that, uh, again, really hit home with you or surprises you? Yeah, pay attention to what makes you hungry. If you can figure out why you're hungry, you have done 90% of the work. If you can figure out what's driving your appetite, which foods make you full, which foods make you not full. When and why are you getting hungry? If you could figure that out, you could figure out why you're obese and, and why you're overweight. It's that easy. Figure out why you are hungry. Okay, why are you eating? You know, if you can figure out why, that's the number one first step. Um, and the other thing is, is, is seek help. We have people to help you all throughout the world. There's, you know, low-carb doctors and doctors working with lifestyle medicine and and working with dietary and lifestyle changes. So if you need help, if you're, if you're on insulin, you should call me right now. I will get you off insulin. You know, if you're a type one diabetic on insulin, I will reduce your dose by 50%. I will save you money. I mean, this is, I get people off insulin every day. I just saw a patient, um, very near and dear to me, type two diabetic on insulin, who I know from, uh, the hospital, uh, uh, a clo close kind of friend and uh, paying $1,000 a month in insulin. And I said, look, I was like, I will, I, you know, kind of, you know, people are rightly skeptical. You know, people have been selling them snake oil for a long time. And, yeah. um, and I told them, look, 
I I will waive my charge if I can't save you more money on insulin. You know, as long as you do what I say, I will waive my charge if you can't, uh, if I don't save you more money on insulin. And so I just did this yesterday. And I said, you and your wife have to join. You both have to do it. And I'll waive, I'll refund you whatever you pay if I can't save you more money on insulin. I mean, that I, I that's how strongly I feel about this. Um, you know, I'm not saying I'll do this for everybody. I did it for them because I, I know I can help them. I know their situation. Um, you know, I'm not going around. I can't go around giving free care to everybody. Not, not yet at least, but, um, that's how strongly I feel about this. So, uh, if you have liver disease, it's curable. If you have, you know, it's reversible. If you have diabetes, it's reversible. If you're type one and you're on massive dose of insulin, we can lower it. We can bring you down to, you know, uh, anywhere from 20 to, to 50 units or less. Uh, if you have uh, sleep apnea, we can get rid of it. Reflux, migraines, all of these things can be treated uh, with lifestyle and uh, with diet. And there's literature to support this. This is not snake oil. You know, there is data with clinical trials showing that diet affects these things. ADD, ADHD, markers improve when you reduce artificial fruits, when you reduce uh, artificial preservatives and coloring, when you go to non-processed foods, some of the mark, you know, some of the behavioral endpoints improve. Depression improves. You know, I, I can just go on and on. There is data to support this. It is, all of it is treatable. You don't need, you know, Nexium. You don't need Prilosec. You don't need Prozac. You don't need, you know, Lexapro. Um, you may need it for certain things, but you know, a lot of the time, you don't need it. Yeah, one last thing I want to ask you. That normally would end now, but you, you said it a few times about figuring out why you're hungry. So yeah. I would bet that some people told you strange reasons when they actually figured it out why they're hungry for reasons you wouldn't normally think about. So can you remember any of those? Where, you know, like How many different reasons did people come up with over time of why they were hungry and were any of them like strange to them or you? Yeah, look... Um... Not strange, but there's a high concordance rate with, uh, you know, and I, all my patients who, who know me will know this. There's a very high concordance rate with chronic disease and childhood trauma, okay? Whether it's a broken home, adopted, divorced, uh, suicide in the home, uh, food insecurity, um, any one of these things, you know, uh, there's a very high concordance rate with chronic disease. And so I screen all of my, and this is something you wouldn't expect, right? In my practice, it's about 50%. 50% on an ACE questionnaire are scoring one thing positive. And the ACE questionnaire is, you know, basically a questionnaire that screens for kind of uh, uh, these, these issues. Um, so, I, you know, I don't know if that's exactly what you're looking for, but, but there's a very, very high concordance rate. And that tells me that chronic stress Chronic mental disease plays a very, very intricate role in chronic physical disease and metabolic disease. So um, I take stress very seriously, sleep very seriously, mental health very seriously, even you know, and, and, and psychology very seriously. All of these have to be addressed if you're going to look at the whole picture. It's not just metabolism and calories. You got to look at everything. Do you have people that... that realize they say you know i was abused as a child or something and then they do they make that connection or like how far does it go when you know you do this test on them or they fill out this paperwork and then like do they realize literally wow i didn't realize i'm eating because i felt this or i grew up like this or you know 
was abused this way. Um, you know, I have a, I have patients who have had that. Unfortunately, it's 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 sad. Uh, sometimes it's a uh, uh, unconscious uh, desire to, to to eat to make themselves uh, less attractive. Um, sometimes it's things I don't even understand. Um, you know, um, it's it's I I I don't understand the psychology. I'm not a psychiatrist. Um, but I think getting, and a lot of times I refer to psychology in, in or psychiatry in cases like that. But I think at the least, what I like to do is bring these issues to the forefront and make patients aware that look, your you know mentality, mental health plays an intricate role in your overall health. You know, you cannot be doing a full-time job in your brain dealing with your depression and anxiety and kind of uh, trauma and all of these things and think that you'll succeed with weight loss. You know, I had a consult not too long ago uh, with, uh, you know, a patient who, you know, recently got divorced, had lost custody of her children, who had, uh, you know, relocated and was fired and looking for a new job and was consulting me to lose weight. And the first thing I said to her was, do you think it's the right time for this? You know, I was like, it sounds like you have a lot on your plate and that, you know, implementing a lifestyle change might be challenging. So, so I, I drive this message home with patients that look, we need to be cognizant that, you know, eating is intimately related to everything in your life. And we have to figure out, we have to look at the whole. And so, um, you know, that, that's one of the things I do is, is get patients to, at the least be cognizant of any mental issues that they are dealing with and figuring out themselves and bringing it to their consciousness, how this all plays together. Um, at the least, bringing it to their attention will, will help them be aware of it um, if it is an issue. I, I would say this is like okay. an overwhelming, overwhelming minority. Most patients are hungry because they're, you know, basically crap food makes them not full. You know, most people are hungry, uh, or they they eat more than than uh, they nor they they you know uh, they eat more than they I don't want to say should, but they eat more because of habit or tradition, or they're not really full, but they have to be with the family to eat and kind of things that social pressures or uh, um, you know being together with the family stuff like that. There's just non-appetite related issues or you know, either the appetite is completely dysregulated or there's something outside of appetite guiding them to eat that that's uh, not related to their appetite. So those are the kind of the major things that, that we typically deal with. But these emotional and psychological issues, they're, they're usually much less common. I want to say like, okay. you know, less than five or 10 percent. All right. Well, that's great. That gives me a good feel for it. So um, I know you're booked out for a few months, but uh, let's see if we can book you out for a whole year. So how can... Uh... Interested people get in touch with you. What's the best way? Uh, yeah, you could just go to my website and and um, and just realize I'm I'm, I'm I'm booked for a month, so uh, probably more than that now. But um, you go to my website. It's drtro.com. D-O-C-T-O-R, uh, tro, T-R-O.com, drtro.com, and you can check out kind of my program for weight loss. And if you uh, want to set up an appointment, you can do it right online. Um, so yeah, people can reach me on Twitter. I have a free Facebook group. You can get, uh, you can join if you want to ask a question. You know, kind of once or twice a month, I, I go on there and answer any questions that people ask. Um, you can watch my videos for free on YouTube. I have uh, a number of videos on different topics that people ask me. 
to talk about. I'm in the Facebook group. So there's a number of ways you can get in touch with me completely for free. And uh, if you want kind of more intimate help, you can uh, set up an appointment. All right. That's great. Montreux, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. It's my pleasure. You have been listening to Almost Here, Around the Corner Future Technology Podcast with Richard Jacobs. Subscribe to this podcast, post a review, to discover more future technologies that are poised to transform our lives for better or worse, such as Bitcoin, artificial intelligence, 3D printing, blockchain, virtual reality, and more.